everyone. Welcome to the American Health Lawyer Associate Lawyers Association first ever healthcare antitrust podcast. Uh, we are brought to you today by First Chesapeake Group. The First Chesapeake Group was established in 1987 to provide consulting services to senior executives, lawyers, and government officials in the healthcare industry who are responsible for leading their organizations in today's complex and changing environment. My name is John Carroll. I'm a partner at King & Spaulding in the Antitrust Practice Group here in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by Alexis Gilman. Alexis, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alexis Gilman. I'm a partner in the Antitrust Group at Kroll & Mooring in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Alexis. Alexis and I are excited to be recording the first ever uh, Healthcare Antitrust Practice Group podcast. Uh, this year, we're going to start us off uh, and the first one by providing an overview of the top developments of 2018 and the healthcare antitrust world, roughly ranked from 10 to 1, although that was a challenge to put together. And then we're going to talk about what's in store for 2019 in terms of the top um, uh, developments we think will be uh, occurring in 2019. Of course, many of these are contingent on our federal government's reopening and the partial shutdown uh, being concluded. So going to be a little bit speculative for a number of reasons. Um, you know, 2018, before we get started, was a was a really big year, and we think that there's a lot in store coming up. A uh, number of themes here in the healthcare antitrust arena consistent with themes generally in the antitrust world, which is that uh, transactions and conduct have been under significant scrutiny, not just by the federal government, but by uh, st various state AGs and, of course, um, in the litigation world with private plaintiffs. So, Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, we hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Uh, we would appreciate any uh, would appreciate any feedback from folks who, who download and listen to this. Our goal is to make this uh, both informative and accessible, and by that I mean not just to antitrust lawyers, but certainly to healthcare lawyers, and also, of course, to non-lawyers as we continue to roll out a number of new initiatives um, at the Antitrust Practice Group of AHLA. Uh, and helping to uh, keep up with the times and, and provide our subscribers and those who may be interested in the group with um, new and exciting uh, information in our world. So starting off with development number 10 in 2018, uh, last but not least, uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, their pre-merger notification office issued new guidance on reporting requirements for nonprofit entities. And so in November of last year, uh, the FTC made some changes to their Hart-Scott-Rodino reporting rules. Uh, and the Hart-Scott-Rodino statute or act uh, is that act that requires parties to file notification with the FTC and DOJ uh, when putting together a transaction that meets certain requirements, both in terms of the size or value of the transaction and also the structure of that transaction. Previously, uh, before this change, the party's obligation to file under the HSR Act turned on whether the combination would result in a change of control of the board of directors of either party. However, as our audience well knows, hospital affiliations are often structured to form a new corporate parent for both hospitals, meaning that board control may not change really at either end. So as a result, uh, antitrust practitioners had previously assumed that hospital affiliation structured this way uh, that did not involve a change of beneficial ownership, and consequently, no HSR filing would be required. And so recognizing this and recognizing that 
potentially uh, reportable combinations would occur, even where there's no change of control at the board, the PNO announced that beginning uh, at the end of October of last year's last year, it would look at nonprofit combinations uh, of hospitals and outside of hospitals by focusing on whether one party had gained beneficial control over the assets of the other party, thus increasing um, materially perhaps the number and type of transactions that now would require HSR filings, thus requiring, of course, a potentially a 30-day waiting period and affirmative notice to the government before they could close their transactions. Alexis? Thanks, John. Development 9, Siemens settles with UNC, court certifies class. A uh, hot topic in the antitrust bar generally is so-called no-poach agreements. Uh, these are agreements between two companies not to solicit, hire, compete for each other's employees. In 2018, we saw some no-poach developments in the healthcare context. As background, in 2015, a Duke radiology professor, Daniel Seaman, filed a class action against Duke University, the dean of the University of North Carolina Medical School, and others alleging that Duke and UNC had agreed not to poach each other's medical faculty. Seaman alleged that in response to her inquiries about a uh, job at UNC, she was told that the Duke and UNC med school deans had agreed not to recruit each other's medical faculty. Defendant's motion to dismiss was denied by a district court, and their attempt to immediately uh, appeal to the Fourth Circuit was denied as well. In January 2018, UNC settled. UNC agreed, among other things, not to engage in any agreements that restrained hiring or recruiting of employees, and it agreed to cooperate with the plaintiff's case against Duke. In February 2018, the district court certified a class of 5,000-plus faculty members with medical appointments at these schools. That case is ongoing. John? Thanks, Alexis. Now we're on to development number eight of 2018 in healthcare antitrust. The FTC charged and secured a consent order against a therapist staffing agency and its competing therapist staffing agency for price fixing over therapist wages. Interesting here for a number of reasons. Uh, basic facts are that at the end of July, the FTC announced the settlement with Your Therapy uh, and a competing staffing agency for price fixing. According to the FTC's complaint, the two owners who were competitors agreed to lower their therapist pay rates to the same level. And they also invited several other competitors to lower their rates in an attempt to keep therapists from switching to staffing companies that paid more. The FTC's complaint alleges that they entered into the agreement after learning that a home health agency planned to significantly lower rates to therapist staffing companies for therapist services. So interesting here, um, there is, of course, um, the ability and jurisdiction had by the DOJ to bring criminal uh, antitrust actions. DOJ has that jurisdiction uniquely. However, in the civil side, for you know things like invitations to collude and civil price fixing, the FTC is able to bring actions like this. And this one serves as a reminder that things like no poach agreements, agreements regarding pricing, particularly in the healthcare arena, uh, are receiving significant scrutiny and that practitioners, practitioners should take care when advising their clients on um, whether they can be engaging in these uh, types of agreements uh, and similar ones. Alexis? Development uh, 7, Mass AG settles with Beth Israel Leahy. 
2018 also saw a large multi-hospital merger approved in Massachusetts, subject to, however, a settlement with the state attorney general, uh, which then was followed by the FTC decision to close an investigation. In November, Mass AG Maura Healy approved the combination of Beth Israel Deaconess, Leahy Health System, and other area healthcare providers. Uh, as a condition of that approval, though, the parties agreed, among other things, to cap price increases for seven years and to make over $70 million in community healthcare investments. There are a couple of interesting things about this matter. Uh, first, back in 2015, Attorney General Healy did not support a similar agreement negotiated by her Adam predecessor, A.G. Martha Coakley, that would have settled concerns about the Partners Healthcare, South Shore Hospital, Hallmark Health System merger. After her election, General Healy said she would challenge that partner's South Shore Hallmark merger. The Massachusetts State Court did not approve the settlement. Ultimately, the court did reject the settlement and the merger was abandoned. A much different result here. The second interesting thing, I think, is the FTC's response to the settlement here. The FTC has repeatedly expressed concerns with so-called behavioral merger remedies, like the one agreed to here. The FTC thinks that such remedies are difficult to craft, implement, and monitor, plus they usually expire. In its closing statement, the FTC noted its concern with behavioral remedies and said that its decision to close the investigation was, quote, not an easy one, and, quote, a close call. The FTC also said, or perhaps even warned, that this merger might be a good opportunity to retrospectively study the effects of the merger. Don? Thanks, Alexis. Moving on to development number six in healthcare antitrust for 2018, back in April of 2018, Chief Judge William Smith denied summary judgment to Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island on all counts in an antitrust case brought by plaintiff Stewart Healthcare System, uh, which allowed the case to proceed to trial. The plaintiff, Stewart Healthcare System, had alleged that Blue Cross Blue Shield had unlawfully blocked Stewart from entering the Rhode Island healthcare and health insurance markets by thwarting its acquisition of Landmark Medical Center, which was a, or is, a Rhode Island community hospital uh, that was in, in some financial trouble. So Stewart had sued uh, Blue Cross. Uh, its allegations included that Blue Cross had illegally refused to deal on reasonable reimbursement rates uh, with the intention of stopping Stewart from entering the Rhode Island market. So this is a really interesting, lengthy opinion from the judge that seemed to reverse what he had indicated he would do previously uh, in denying summary uh, judgment, and the case would have proceeded to trial, but for the fact that the parties uh, settled the matter uh, a couple of months uh, after this opinion came out, and thus we don't get the benefit of having had this go to trial, but uh, the parties decide to settle it. Nevertheless, would suggest um, that those who are interested uh, in refusal to deal actions and in private antitrust litigation Take a look at this opinion because there's a lot of a lot going on there uh, and some pretty detailed analysis. Alexis, thanks, John. Development five: California sues Sutter. Uh, a case in California may tell us about the antitrust implications of anti-steering and anti-steering provisions in contracts between large hospital systems and payers. In March 2018, California sued Sutter Health in state court alleging that Sutter was requiring health plans to include terms in their contracts that allegedly stymied competition and resulted in higher health care prices. In particular, the complaint alleged that Sutter, which was described as a, quote, must-have provider in certain parts of California, 
prevented payers from steering patients or tearing their networks to prevent or penalize payers from directing patients away from Sutter to lower cost providers. The complaint also alleged that Sutter would only negotiate with payers on an all or nothing basis, meaning that a payer had a contract with all Sutter providers or none, and that the Sutter providers all had, uh, all the contracts with Sutter providers had a single expiration date. Sutter, of course, contests the allegations in this fighting this suit. Uh, I think in addition to the merits question about whether and when anti-steering and anti-tiering provisions can be unlawful, the other interesting aspect of this case is the remedy that California is seeking. It's asking for disgorgement of profits, that Sutter be required to stagger the terms of their hospital, physician, and other provider contracts, and asking that Sutter create separate contract negotiating teams for its hospitals, physicians, and other providers. So a case to watch. Thanks, Alexis. Counting down further to number four, uh, two vertical mergers that were cleared by the Department of Justice and FTC, CVS, Aetna, and Cigna Express Scripts. Um, there's been, of course, a, a lot out in the atmosphere about how aggressive uh, the agencies are with respect to transactions. I'm sure folks remember that not too long ago, the DOJ successfully blocked what was considered a complete reorganization of the health insurance industry. Uh, involving two, you know, mergers of the major health insurance companies. Out of the wake of that, we see uh, transactions being signed between CVS and Aetna and between Cigna and Express Scripts. The CVS-Aetna deal is subject to certain conditions, but both deals uh, being cleared, uh, and, and these will uh, go a long way, I think, in uh, reorganizing in, in many important ways um, the healthcare industry. And it'll be interesting to see you know, how the industry continues to evolve, not just from an antitrust perspective, frankly, or even a legal perspective, but just from an overall industry perspective as healthcare continues to change. And as part of that, of course, as the antitrust laws uh, and the enforcers uh, continue to try to keep up with, with all that's going on in the industry. Alexis, back to you for development number three. Yeah, DOJ settles with Atrium. Uh, in, a, in another case, which is a close cousin of the Sutter case I, I mentioned, uh, the DOJ and state of North Carolina sued Atrium Health, which was uh, previously doing business as Carolina's healthcare system. Uh, in 2016, the DOJ in North Carolina alleged that Atrium, which was said to have a 50% share of the inpatient hospital service market in the Charlotte area, had imposed anti-steering and anti-tiering provisions in payer contracts. Sound familiar? Uh, in exchange for some modest price increases. Uh, the government also alleged that Atrium prevented payers from providing truthful information to consumers about Atrium prices and quality. One of uh, Atrium's defenses uh, in response to the allegations was it was merely protecting the benefits of the bargain that it negotiated with payers. In other words, these terms really just prevented payers from attaining discounts from Atrium based on certain patient volume expectations only to have the payers turn around and steer patients away from Atrium. After the district court denied Atrium's motion for judgment on the pleadings, the parties ended up settling the case in November 2018. That settlement bars Atrium from enforcing or seeking uh, anti-steering restrictions in its contracts with payers. John? Thanks, Alexis. Now we're down to number two, but quickly before I do that, uh, I think I may have misspoken when speaking about CBS and Cigna Express Scripts by mentioning the FTC. So hopefully our friends at DOJ will forgive me. Um, both of those cases 
those transactions were reviewed by the Department of Justice and neither was reviewed by the Federal Trade Commission. So back to development number two, uh, a judge had ruled against uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield and a market allocation MDL. Uh, Want to uh, note for our listeners who are subscribers, you will have gotten um, in January an AHLA email bulletin describing this case. And that's just one of the many benefits of becoming a member of the antitrust practice group is you get really great content that describes what's going on uh, in the healthcare antitrust world. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, members and didn't receive the bulletin, quick description for you. Uh, back in December 12th uh, of 2018, the 11th Circuit issued a brief order that denied a request for interlocutory review by the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, an ongoing antitrust litigation over territorial allocation among its 30 st- 36 constituent companies, which you all know is the Blues. The Blues appeal uh, came from a 2018 district court ruling that granted partial summary judgment on the standard of review, meaning whether per se or, or rule of reason, to the plaintiffs, uh, which determined that the Blue Cross's agreements should be reviewed for antitrust violations under the per se illegality, illegality standard. And so this has been uh, enough to uh, enough of a development. And this case is enough of a case where we could have multiple podcasts just talking about this, because if the plaintiffs win, if this, you know, assuming this goes does does continue to go on to trial, um, this goes to the core of the operations of, of Blue Cross Blue Shield, and that is how they do business across their associations. And so while this was uh, just a brief order denying a request for interlocutory review, it was not accompanied by an opinion. It makes uh, certainly our top 10 and comes in at number two, given the implications for this case as it moves forward. And with that, Alexis will take us home with the top development of 2018 in healthcare antitrust. Please, concerns about consolidation. Uh, 2018 uh, brought increased scrutiny in healthcare consolidation from the Trump administration, the media, and other quarters. Uh, just to mention a couple, one, the Trump administration issued a report on, quote, reforming America's healthcare system through choice and competition, end quote. Uh, in 2017, an executive order called for this report by HHS and other agencies about various issues, including the extent to which state and federal laws, regulations, and policies impeded healthcare competition. It also called for recommended actions that states and the federal government could take, including by limiting excessive consolidation. In the report that was published last month, the recommendations included, one, continued vigilance, vigilance by the antitrust agencies to prevent any competitive transactions, Two, that states repeal or scale back certificate of need, CON, statutes, which the report blamed for impeding entry by new competitors. And three, that states discontinue certificates of public advantage or COPA laws, which the report says shielded any competitive provider mergers from antitrust scrutiny. And second, just last month uh, in November, the New York Times published a lengthy story about hospital consolidation one of the many news stories on, on healthcare consolidation generally. The Times, which had engaged academic researchers to study 25 mergers from 2010 to 2013, wrote that hospital mergers have, quote, essentially banished competition and raised prices for hospital admissions in most cases, end quote, rather than resulted in savings for consumers. Uh, the report did note almost parenthetically that large 
systems acquisition of struggling hospitals can provide critical capital investment and management skills to the acquired hospitals. So that's our top development for 2018, uh, which seems like it's not going to ebb anytime soon. Uh, With that, I'll turn it over to John. Thanks, Alexis. So now let's talk a little bit about what we think is going to happen this year. We're 22 days in. The government remains closed, which um, goes to the uh, lack of developments to some extent at the FTC DOJ, although, of course, essential staff are working hard on a number of matters and and litigations. And as uh, former FTC lawyers, both Alexis and I uh, certainly feel sympathetic to those having to work without pay at this time and and complete and, and fulfill their obligations under the mission of both agencies. Uh, with all that said, um, a lot of what we're, we're looking at uh, in terms of predictions for 2019 and what we're what we recommend we look for in 2019 is really, you know, developments on a number of cases and enforcement decisions by both agencies. So we're going to go through these relatively quickly, uh, many of them, given that we only have a few minutes left. Uh, starting off with the first one, um, Fresenius Next Stage, we're waiting on, a, on an FTC enforcement decision there. This was a deal that's taken quite some time. It's a $2 billion transaction between uh, two dialysis providers, Next Stage being an at-home dialysis company. Uh, this, uh, I think the parties had hoped to have a decision and potentially close by February of, of this year. We will see what happens uh, given the shutdown, but that is something that we'll be looking for, particularly if there's any corresponding uh, analysis or guidance that we can review that comes out from the FTC. ALJ decision in Inre Autobuck. We're also waiting for a decision from an administrative law judge in the FTC's challenge to a medical device merger. In December 2017, the FTC challenged the consummated merger of two prosthetic knee manufacturers, Autobach and Freedom Innovations. As in many mergers, one of the key issues in the case is product market definition. The FTC alleges that the merger will harm competition in the market for microprocessor knees, which, uh, as I understand it, use a microprocessor to adjust the stiffness and position of the knee joint in response to a user's movement and ground conditions. The merging parties, on the other hand, argue that the market is much broader and includes other types of prosthetic knees. The litigating parties completed post-trial briefing at the end of November 2018, and we're awaiting a decision from the ALJ, which has been delayed by the government shutdown. This will be the first ALJ decision in the healthcare merger case since an ALJ decision in 2011 blocking ProMedica Health Systems acquisition of St. Luke's Hospital. Thanks, Alexis. The third one is we're waiting for another FTC ALJ decision, but this time in a dental distributor uh, group purchasing case. Uh, In February of last year, the FTC filed a complaint against the country's three largest dental supply companies. Uh, The FTC alleged they violated the antitrust laws by conspiring to refuse to provide discounts to or even otherwise serve buying groups representing the dental practitioners. Uh, It'll be interesting to see uh, what the ALJ decision looks like here, and you will uh, certainly be getting some analysis from the AHLA Antitrust Practice Group when that decision is issued. Alexis? A circuit decision in FTC versus Sanford Health. In 2019, we could expect a decision from the Eighth Circuit in the appeal of the FTC's successful preliminary injunction action blocking Sanford Health's acquisition of Mid-Dakota Clinic, a multi-specialty physician group in the Bismarck, North Dakota area. 
at the end of 2017, a district court entered a preliminary injunction blocking the proposed transaction. The merging parties appealed to the Eighth Circuit. While there hasn't been a provider merger case decided in the Eighth Circuit since 1999, the last case decided there was a decision by the Eighth Circuit to reverse a district court decision in joining a hospital merger in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. So the Eighth Circuit may offer the best opportunity for healthcare providers to break the FTC's win streak in litigated provider mergers. On the other hand, if the Eighth Circuit affirms the decision in the FTC's favor, the FTC will have secured favorable decisions in provider mergers from the Third, Sixth, Seventh, Eighth, and Ninth Circuits in the last five years. John? Thanks. And I, I can't help but point out that Alexis had something to do with that win streak as he headed the uh, division at the FTC that oversees uh, provider mergers for a number of years. Moving on to our sixth uh, thing to look for in 2019 in healthcare antitrust, another FTC enforcement decision that we're eagerly anticipating, and that is in United DeVita, uh, that transaction. Uh, it be interesting to see whether the FTC does anything there or just clears that transaction without conditions. Again, uh, stay tuned. And uh, to the extent the FTC does uh, do anything by way of an enforcement action, you will certainly uh, be hearing from the AHLA antitrust practice group. Uh, Alexis, back to you for number sure, five. Number five, uh, competition hearings. So uh, in June last year, the new FTC chairman, Joe Simon uh, Simons, announced a series of hearings on consumer consumer protection, uh, competition and consumer protection issues, I'm sorry. Um, and it's going to use those hearings to study the FTC's short and long-term enforcement policy agenda and perhaps identify areas where the FTC might uh, adjust its enforcement policy and um, perhaps the agency's process and other areas uh, that might warrant additional study. The hearings are general in scope and have something of a tech focus, but the FTC did solicit public comments about competition issues in specific industries such as healthcare. And one comment that was submitted was one by the American Hospital Association, which said that the FTC's approach to reviewing hospital transactions, quote, is overbroad, does not properly credit the many pro-consumer benefits of hospital transactions, and ignores key realities in the marketplace, end quote. Um, so while I'm not expecting big changes to the how the FTC approaches healthcare provider mergers, it will be interesting to see if the FTC does adjust any changes to its broader enforcement approach uh, that may affect healthcare. So uh, stay tuned. John? Thanks, Alexis. Um, <clears throat> we're now on to uh, our next development, which is any decisions or updates in the Washington CHI Franciscan case. Uh, in August of 2017, uh, Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson filed a federal lawsuit in the Western District of Washington against CHI Franciscan. Uh, the doctor's clinic in West Sound Orthopedics, seeking to undo what it alleges are unlawful agreements between uh, and among those competitors that raise prices and decrease competition in an area of the state of Washington. Uh, we will see what happens. Uh, this is a reminder that there are actions uh, taking place in, in, by the states and that it's not healthcare antitrust is not just a matter or does not just concern federal uh, enforcement. Alexis? Uh, returning to a case we mentioned earlier, California versus Sutter, um, that suit challenging Sutter Health's contracting terms made our list of top developments in 2018. Now that the DOJ and North Carolina suit uh, against Atrium settled, 
if there is a decision and settlement or a settlement in the Sutter case, that's definitely going to be one of our top stories of 2019 to see uh, how anti-tiering and steering provisions are treated there. Uh, John, take us home. Thanks, Alexis. So we got one left, which is um, we, we think is number one. But again, these are in no particular order. So maybe it's just the last one we're covering. And that is uh, congressional investigations and, and actions by Congress more largely in the antitrust arena. Uh, there has been a lot of news about this, and this is continuing our number one development um, that Alexis described for 2018. And that is that antitrust seems to be, for, for lack of a better description, in the news uh, and trending. And we saw with the Democratic majority coming into the House, they put forth what they call a better deal plan. And in that, antitrust featured very prominently. Um, antitrust has certainly been a part of political platforms from both parties in the past. But this is unique with respect to the attention that antitrust received. Uh, in particular in a congressional platform. Uh, I went back and looked at 2006 when the Democrats took over, went back even ba uh, back to 1994 on the contract for America when Republicans took over the Congress um, during that midterm election. And this is really the first time in a very long time that antitrust is featured so prominently. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that there are going to be investigations and hearings into a number of sectors, of course, and perhaps most, most notably the tech industry, but healthcare is not far behind. And that includes, you know, certainly pharmaceutical pricing, but also, as um, was mentioned in the HHS report that Alexis described, in, in the healthcare industry and in the provider industry, whether that's consolidations, COPA laws, other things that people are concerned are restricting competition. There's also a broader, um, perhaps less likely to be successful attempt to examine whether the antitrust laws are, uh, according to some, outdated. And so uh, just recently, we saw a number of Democrats saying that uh, the Sherman Act and, and, and FTC Act and other antitrust laws were enacted back when, uh, you know, the most prominent industry in the United States were, was railroads and to clamp down on certain, you know, trusts and other anti-competitive behavior. And there are questions out there about whether uh, the antitrust laws have kept up with the times. We will not opine on whether that's the case <laughs> because we do not have time in today's podcast. And it's a really interesting, difficult question. But just the fact that this is uh, being discussed will have implications. You know, if you're looking at doing a deal or if you're just in the industry and you get a subpoena uh, from a House committee, uh, that will perhaps uh, drastically affect what your 2019 looks like for a number of reasons. And so as things progress, whether it's on the uh, whether it's um, hearings or, you know, potential uh, changes to the regulatory landscape by, you know, among other Senator Klobuchar in the Senate, uh, we will be keeping a close eye on this and continuing to inform uh, our subscribers and members in the antitrust practice group. So with that, um, this was a great, fun uh, podcast. Uh, thanks very much to Alexis to helping put this together and to the folks at AHLA. This was our first one, so please excuse if there's anything uh, you think we could have done better. We look forward to your feedback, and I strongly encourage you not just to join the, the practice group, but also uh, to follow us on Twitter. We are at AHLA underscore antitrust. We tweet almost daily, if not more than that. Check out our tweets. Tweet at us. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. There's a lot going on, as we keep saying, and so 
we um, look forward to engaging in a, in a serious discussion with those who are interested in healthcare antitrust issues. And we love doing this. So we look forward to uh, getting this podcast up and getting people's feedback. And of course, to review, uh, to recording uh, additional podcasts on a number of issues. So look forward to hearing uh, from you. And thanks again thanks. very much.